0: you movie junkies and cinephiles, it's time for the SLS Cast, with your hosts, Matt and Tim. And welcome, one and all, to episode 134 of the SLS Cast. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this would be the immigration support episode of the SLS Cast, because... It just so happens that the affidavit of support, also known as the United States Immigration Support Form, is I-134. And with that little bit of immigration knowledge, I, of course, am Matt, and coming to us from the land of the Head Mountain Head-mounted display, personal 3D viewer, hmzt one would be... You hear that? Yeah, that's not pleasant.
1: Oh, yeah. You know what? I brought the Oral-B into the uh, conversation. Thought I'd introduce uh, Phyllis here. Wow. Yeah. She's got a lot of torque on this baby. Uh, Apparently. Good
0: Lord, man.
1: Yeah. I mean, whenever they see gingivitis, man, they're like, God, give give him that one. (laughs) Are your ears sensitive to the sound of vibrating toothbrushes?
0: Yes, that was rather excruciating. No lie. Well, it's your birthday. Did you turn like 75? No, my birthday was on Saturday. Today's Monday, the 29th
1: well i mean you turn so, you i mean you turned seventy five two day, i mean a couple days ago
0: yes yes i am now officially on uh hospice care uh you know it's it's a wonderful retirement package we have here at the s l s cast
1: well i do hope you're not on hospice care when you actually do turn <laughs> seventy five
0: yeah that would definitely the chances are that would be the last birthday that's for sure <laughs> uh no i i am just the uh, i'm just a lowly thirty eight that's that's all I am. Just thirty eight.
1: Are you one of those people that like have a year set for death? Like I know people that are like, when I hit sixty, that's going to be about the time that I go. And it's like for one thing, wh- how do you know? And another thing, why why do you why why are you like setting a goal for that? I mean, I think you should be setting goals for healthier things. You know. Are you one oh, of those
0: people? Ah, no, no, no. Who, who, uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, who wrote it? Um, or, uh, directed it, whatever. Um, well, D-
1: Terry Gilliam directed it. Paul, uh, ben? Paul, uh, or uh, uh, Thomas, 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 something. Th- Paul, Tom, no, Thompson, Tom- Tom- Paul th- F- Thompson, Tom, Thomas J. Name. Breckenridge, the third. Paul W. Harris, no. Paul Jonathan Tompkinson. What? Oh,
0: dear God. Never mind.
1: Paul Verhoeven.
0: Uh, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. Paul H. Thomas. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, so, Hunter, Hunter, S. Hunter S. Thompson.
1: Thompson. Oh, Jesus. Wow. God damn. God
0: damn. No shit, dude. Wow. Just like, I'll look it up. It's fine. Uh, yeah, Hunter S. Thompson. That's what he did. He, he, he set an age. Uh, I want to say it was... Sixty-five or something, sixty-seven. Yeah, I, I and he just decided to. He decided he'd done it all, and that was all he
1: wanted, and shot himself in the head. Now, wouldn't that also be like the drugs might have might have affected him somehow? Though, I have no idea. Uh, but yeah,
0: he's he's definitely the poster child for setting an age for yourself and then offing yourself. Uh, but to answer your question, now that we've definitely you know gone all the way around that, uh, I, I I would prefer to be like. The uh, Rob, like the Rob Lowe character in Parks and Recreation, I'd like to be the I'd like to be that person who lives to be 150. So I, I realize it's rather eccentric, and I'm fat, so that's not going to happen. But I'd like to think that.
1: Yeah, I think 385 is a good year. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think that would be, you know, just about pushing it. But your birthday, you did a lot of drinking and karaoke. You said, did anybody uh, act like a fool? at your birthday did he, were there any hooligans there anybody that went no. a little over thankfully, the
0: top thankfully um while everybody was definitely having a nice time and there was much alcohol flowing um there i i am fortunate enough to have a very good group of friends who are not insane so there was there was just lots of laughter and lots of fun and um people getting up and singing goofy songs and stuff like that. We had one of the guys uh, get up and, and do um, At a Medium Pace. And then, of course, I did uh, Asshole by Dennis Leary. At a Medium
1: Pace of what? Is that the Seriously, name of the song, or are you, were you talking yeah, about the tempo? Yeah, you've
0: never, it's an Adam Sandler song from the 90s. Oh. And it's... <laughs> if you know it, then you know just exactly how... Crazy that song is, and if you don't, you should take a listen that's that's all i'm gonna say and um yeah, so it was it was yeah, I had a lot of fun, a lot of drinking, got some cool stuff, and um, now, now we prepare for uh Fourth of July weekend.
1: Oh, do you have a big thing going on on the Fourth of
0: July? Uh, my dad's coming into town on Thursday evening so that Friday we can go hit the uh, St. Arnold Brewery. They're having a big, huge uh, luncheon shendig that, of course, includes all the beer you can drink. So, yes, and we're doing that. And then Saturday, of course, is 4th of July, and we're going to be hanging out here and doing fireworks. There's a little parade here in the neighborhood we're going to be doing, and um, and then, of course, fireworks that evening and all that kind of fun stuff. A
1: parade in the neighborhood
0: Mm-hmm.
1: wow that sounds nice i mean that's better than the parades of of cop cars and ambulances that we have on the daily in my neighborhood well see
0: that's the problem
1: when they're that frequent you, you know they're just not as special and it's not <laughs> it has nothing to do with the reason but just because it happens all the time is that's right. sad
0: that's right so anyway
1: yeah And then
0: um, I I officially was accepted to Sam Houston State University, so that's fun, continuing my educational career and
1: all that good stuff. Libido
0: studies, correct? Uh, Actually, underwater basket weaving with a minor in libido studies.
1: Very progressive of you, I must say.
0: Yes. Um, I'm a full... I'm just, you know, you may as well just uh, put a rainbow thingy over my facebook picture that that's the thing now right
1: yeah yeah i i, I think so i think so <laughs> i haven't done it I yet saw, well you're you're, you're you're on the cusp of 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 <laughs> going very political there matthew <laughs> oh oh
0: look out no it was, it was funny though um with all the stuff that's been going on you know the supreme court and everything and all this flag stuff and everything um so many I'm sure it's most people have seen it by now on their Facebook page or whatever. Spoiler alert. But yeah, someone <laughs> someone uh I saw someone who was like um, my Facebook my, my you know my Facebook looks like uh the Confederate army is at war with the Skittles factory. And <laughs> I thought I thought that was pretty clever.
1: Yeah, you know, and speaking of Confederates, uh I was reading somewhere that uh, so in some part of Southern USA, there was a Confederate flag parade that didn't end well. I, 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 I wish saw I the video. What happened? <laughs> Do you know what happened? It's pretty funny,
0: really? <laughs> okay. so <clears throat> there is a black guy uh, filming, and, and it's important that's, that's the only reason I mentioned that he's black. Um, uh, there's a black guy standing at a gas station filming the Confederate flag parade that was happening and the reason why i specified is because he was saying now if we tried to do something like this if we wanted to have some kind of special parade for us they wouldn't let it happen so he was really you know he was kind of pissed off about it And i think rightfully so um because i believe he is correct if he wanted to have in this small town wherever it was i think it's in georgia um they would probably not they probably would not let him have a parade so he was definitely upset about that. And then he pans over to show that the cops have actually blocked off the road for this Confederate flag parade. And it's all these pickup trucks with flag, Confederate flags you know, mounted into the beds of the trucks. And so he's then like, yep, see and now look over here. And so you're seeing all these cars and then for some reason somebody slowed down and it's like a three car pileup. <laughs> they just the trucks start hitting each other. Bam, bam, bam. So yeah, it was pretty funny.
1: Look forward to it every year. What? Anyway. That's fun. Some some culture news there, a little bit a little bit of politics. Sure. Well, what about you though?
0: Here we are rattling prattling on about my birthday and everything. How was your week? You know, the sad part is, is that actually sounds like an electric shaver. Really? Yes.
1: It really is. I actually, I jerry-rigged it so I can clean my teeth with it as well as shave. <laughs>
0: nice. Anyways, so did you want to know anything more about the Head Mountain dis- Display Personal 3D Viewer, HMZ1, T1? Did you want to know anything more about that or are you just going to let that go? Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, if if it's worth mentioning, go for it.
0: It was the it was marketed as, or it was known as not marketed necessarily but known as the craziest Sony product of 2011. Really, yes. Do tell then. What what was it? It is a contraption that had two 720p OLED screens, which promised to immerse viewers in 3D and surround sound, and it looks like something out of the Lawnmower Man. Oh, really. Yeah, Sounds pretty cool. <laughs> they even, as a matter of fact, <laughs> from this article from Kotaku, it's all a little goofy looking and has an updated whip of something out of Johnny Mnemonic or the Lawnmower Man. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, a, it's interesting. It looks like, honestly though, I think, I think objectively looking at this thing, it seems a little bit like something out of Tron crossed with
1: a tennis visor. So it's very sinister looking, so if I looked at it, there might be a fifty fifty chance that I might not come out of that alive.
0: Well sure, here, you why know? don't you take a look? Go ahead, take a look here. I'll link it in our little Skype chat box there. Go ahead, pull it up. You tell me what you think it looks like.
1: Do 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 Oh, well it looks like somebody got a frisbee stuck in their head. <laughs> <laughs> or like one of those Tron discs <laughs> See? <laughs> uh,
0: there you go That's
1: kind of cool though I mean, that's not too bad
0: Sure I mean, that doesn't look like it's going to leave an indentation on your forehead or anything
1: but There's got to be some hard plastic padding in there, right? Maybe
0: Maybe a suction cup <laughs> I don't, just, you know hold it to your forehead, I guess I don't Get know. it off
1: me! It can! <laughs> It's pulling out my brain.
0: <sighs> Shall we get to the news? We must. All right. Here we go, folks. The news. <laughs> First up from me. Were you, were you coming, used to coming, it this time? I was. Did you see how I just segued right into it, and then you fucked it up? See, it was now it's your turn to fuck it up. Last week was my turn to fuck it up. This week is your turn to fuck. No,
1: up, so. no, no. I'm I'm just making sure. I want to make sure you're. I mean, I, I want this transition into the future of the SLS cast to be as smooth and kind to you, Matt. Uh, well, speaking of
0: transitions into things that are new, well. have you been enjoying our new intro? That's really not all that different from our old intro, but it's still new. Are you asking me, or, or,
1: or are you asking? I'm asking, the asking you. No, I'm
0: asking you. Yeah, I'm asking you. You know, you're clearly the one who has to deal with it every week, so I'm just making sure you like it.
1: Yeah, no, I do like it. I mean, I'm not. I mean, w- w- I mean, for one thing, I wouldn't say that I didn't like it in front of people, but I do like it. I do. <laughs>
0: See, that's when you're supposed to get like really husky. I do like it, Matt. I really, really. And then you turn on the Oral B. See, you're you're missing, you're missing your t- timing, Tim.
1: <laughs> oh, I I, I had, had to go. take the tip off it, so it sounds just like this. <laughs> there you go. Ah, uh, there's there's your adapter. All right, take the top off, and it's like this metal rod is the only <laughs> thing that's left. So. Really, you can put in any hole. All right, so
0: first up from Variety.com, courtesy of Stuart Oldham, Marvel, Sony, and Paramount, all skipping Comic-Con. You heard it here, folks. Well, actually... Thanks to Variety, you heard it here. Which means you probably could have read it on Variety before. Eh, whatever, you know what I mean. San Diego's lucrative fanboy convention will be missing some key players next month. Marvel Studios, home of the Avengers, won't be dressing up for Comic-Con, while Sony Pictures and Paramount Pictures have also decided to skip the Hall H presentations. Quote, it wasn't a knock against Comic-Con. <clears throat> the film's cycles just didn't allow it, end quote there. This is from a spokesperson. Um, one spokesperson Sony and Paramount just didn't have the fanboy material to promote said sources, while Marvel, which last missed the confab in 2011, already unveiled its new wave of Avengers at a special fan event in October. Interesting. However, even though we don't have any of that stuff, you still have Star Wars, Final Hunger Games... Justice League, Fantastic Four, and some of the and possibly the X Men.
1: You're you're really so, nailing your Captain Kirk beats in this article. Oh, I'm so well. I, I
0: mean, I can do. We'll have Star Wars, and Hunger Games, Justice League, Fantastic Four, and quite possibly a few X Men. Yeah, that that works. That works. Carry on. <laughs> um so I guess, you know, despite the fact that uh they're not going to have the the usual suspects there, we I I don't know, what do you think? Is this kind of good that they're skipping out? What do you think, Tim? Are you I mean, cuz I I kind of think it's a good thing that now you get to actually focus on some of the lesser uh tiered comic book characters and stuff like that which will i think really give it give it a good boost going into things like fantastic four coming out and stuff like that what do you think
1: i don't know i I mean yes it's a good thing i mean less is good oh all right then that that, was that it that's fine that was it from screencrush.com stop telling me to turn my brain off during movies matt singer wrote that article and it says this earlier this week He wrote a piece called Ranking Every Jurassic World Character From Dumbest to Least Dumb. The response to the article was generally positive. Some folks who enjoyed Jurassic World even conceded that, yes, the people in it are very dopey, but there was a small vocal minority who hated this piece down to its very core. Not because... They necessarily disagreed with my opinion, but because they objected to my having any opinion in the first place. One reader on Facebook suggested I should revise the list to include myself at the very bottom, quote, for the colossal overthinking of a popcorn movie, end quote. That was a slight variation on the most common complaint one any writer or cinephile who's ever dared to criticize a big, moronic blockbuster knows very well. Side note, yes, I am very familiar with that. Continuing, quote, Stop thinking so much. It's a movie. Just turn off your brain and enjoy it, End quote. There's an old expression about how, quote, One person's trash is another person's treasure, End quote. Truer words were never spoken about the world of movies. Art is completely subjective, and there really is no accounting for taste. As an open-minded guy who believes everyone is entitled to their own opinion, I'm willing to accept almost any argument in favor of a movie. I may not agree with it, but I'd never deny someone their right to express themselves. The only argument I automatically reject on principle is, quote, Turn off your brain. End quote. If the only way to enjoy something is to turn off your brain, then it probably isn't very good. What's curious about the quote, turn off your brain quote, argument is that the way it ignores how people actually watch movies. When a film is really working, people get swept up in it. They lose themselves in the characters and the story. They care about what they're watching. They feel things about what they're seeing. It's only when something is tedious or poorly conceived that they begin to really question what's not working. Turning your brain on in the midst of a dumb movie isn't an act of sabotage. It's a defense mechanism against boredom. If the movie did its job, it wouldn't be there. The, quote, turn your brain off, end quote, brigade often defend dumb movies on the grounds that they're, quote, not supposed to be smart, end quote. Their unspoken implication is that a smart movie is also automatically a boring one, as if the only way a movie can entertain someone is by lulling them into a narcoticized stupor of total idiocy. And while it's true that no one goes to Jurassic World looking for a probing theoretical discourse on the ethics of genetic modification, there's clearly a middle ground between a hoity-toity academic treatsy and paper-thin empty-headed characters and ludicrous face-palming stupidity. It's possible to entertain people without talking down to them. These may be popcorn movies we're talking about, but you can't eat popcorn without your brain telling your mouth to chew it up and swallow it. End all quotes. I'll do, And, you know, the article goes on from there, but I don't want to read it all to you. Uh, but definitely check it out, ScreenCrush.com. Again, it was called Stop Telling Me to Turn My Brain Off During Movies, written by Matt Singer. Uh, and I gotta say, I, I agree with him for the most part. I'm a firm believer that, you know, movies are art. And yes, Matt and I, especially me, I criticize movies and I absolutely hate movies. And there have been a few times when I tell people not to, absolutely don't go see a movie. And I try to really save those for the zero stars or the zero fucking star movies. Because I believe those have got to be movies that nobody should enjoy. But those are really, you know, we really don't review many of those. But there are a lot of people that really uh like the movie beavers we didn't care for beavers that much. now. Would I go off and tell people to absolutely steer clear of beavers Not at all because I know there is a cult following for those type of movies out there, and that's totally cool whatever I'm down with that. But the thing is is that when I watch a movie, he talks about Jurassic world and there's a slew of movies out there like uh San andreas or Michael Bay movies, Michael, this is, this This definitely falls into any Michael Bay movie, especially the Transformers films, to where, why would you have to turn your brain off? A good movie is supposed to challenge you, it's supposed to take you and suck you in to what is happening on the screen. Now, those can argue that the movie Shoot'em Up, which I talk about Shoot'em Up all the time, because to me, it's a staple popcorn film. But people also say that, well, I mean, that, that's a movie you turn your brain off to, no, I don't think so. It's it's a well-executed movie. Not all fun and an exciting popcorn type of movies. That doesn't automatically mean that they're turn-your-brain-off movies. They're just well done. Popcorn movies, to me, that's like, you know, you don't have to take it too seriously, but you don't have to turn your brain off. You can still enjoy it. You can get still get wrapped up in what's going on. So... Needless to say, for the most part, I definitely agree with uh, with Singer uh, on this article. Matt, do you have anything to add to this? Oh, look, here's something else I don't like about
0: Brian Singer. Um, you mean Matt Singer? Whatever the fuck, Matt Singer. Yeah, sorry, Matt Singer. Um, okay, the, this uh, the, there is such a thing as mindless entertainment. And if you have such a thing as mindless entertainment, then you also have such a thing as turn your brain off. And there's a reason why that phrase exists. It's because it exists for movies that you're not supposed to overthink. It exists for movies that you're just supposed to sit back and let happen. And whether or not you want to say it's Transformers or Zombievers or Big Trouble in Little China or uh, or Roots, okay... Although, why anybody would do that with Roots, I don't know. You still have movies where the whole point is just sit back and enjoy it. Don't overthink it. Don't, you know, uh, don't try to use your brain too much. That is the point of turn your brain off. That's And that is usually why it is uh, reserved, that phrase is usually reserved for popcorn flicks like Transformers, like Independence Day, like any other number of movies where it's just simply mindless entertainment. So I think it is a perfectly valid phrase, and I think that there is a reason why it exists. There is, I mean, it's in the lexicon for that very reason. So...
1: I, but I, I, don't, I,
0: I, I completely disagree with this guy, I'm sorry well, this, I, I, I just,
1: Oh, sorry No, that's
0: it, I just think he's I'm sorry, in this particular instance I think this guy is moronic Well I guess maybe he, I guess maybe he didn't turn on his brain enough before he wrote this article
1: No, 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 no I mean, he, I, I can agree with him to a point And I, I definitely agree with you to a point as well But it's like, because like you mentioned Big Trouble in Little China It's just a good movie Transformers is a popcorn movie. I mean, I guess I don't like it when people say that to defend a movie, they say, well, you know, you have to turn your brain off to really like it. That's what I I kind of get with him, is that I don't like that excuse for a movie that you have to turn your brain off. Because I think turning your brain off, a movie that requires you to turn your brain off for you to enjoy it, and a popcorn movie are two different things. Because... Big Trouble in Little China, to me, that's that's a fun popcorn movie, you know? Or or Mad mm-hmm. Max. Mad Max is a fun popcorn movie. But that doesn't mean it's a turn-your-brain-off type of movie. You know, you can still enjoy it. You can still think about it. You can still get into it. It's just not completely mindless entertainment. That's where I kind of differ, or I can, I can in a way, I can crossbreed, genetically crossbreed the two of your minds <laughs> into mine. Indeed. All right. Well, last from me then. It's
0: also from Variety.com. This one comes to us by way of Brent Lang. Title of the article: "Inside Out Debut Exposes Absurdity." Absurd. Good Lord. Apparently, I need to turn my brain on. too. here we go. Let's try this again. "Inside Out Debut Exposes Absurdity of Box Office Horse Race." That's right. Box Office Reporting too often focuses on data and results that have nothing to do with whether or not a movie is a hit or a miss. One of the great absurdities of this type of coverage is that it is dominated by a horse race mentality that studios both privately ignore and publicly encourage. And they are obviously taking on the comparison of Jurassic World, which had $102 million take, and Inside Out, which got $91 million. And, of course, this was the one time, in, or the first time, I guess, in Pixar's history where it was not the number one film when it came out. And the whole point of it is that it's now demonstrating, this is something that is completely demonstrating that a movie's worth is not tied to whether or not it's number one. And I think that this is... It's something that people have always had. The general movie-going public has really kind of always understood. For example, when you know, like E.T. Everybody always talks about how E.T. is such a big movie and everything. And and you really got to think, yeah, that movie was phenomenal, especially when you consider that a ton of that movie's ticket sales were kids. And at a time when kids prices were like a dollar so and it's the same thing here with Jurassic Park still being in its second weekend still being in IMAX still being in 3D uh, and versus Inside Out where you're going to have tons more families again children's prices lots of early birds because people take their kids at the first show in the early morning when it's like six dollars instead of nine or what have you so all of a sudden, this stupid, oh, Jurassic World's still number one, oh, Inside Out, or, oh, Ted 2, or, oh, look out, you know, with whatever's coming, it starts to make itself pretty obvious that just because a movie was number one, or just because a movie did not maybe even get into the top ten for whatever reason, I think it's really starting to hit home for a lot of people that... It doesn't fucking matter. The quality of the film will eventually speak for itself. And in today's day and age of, you know, only the number one spot matters. I think that uh, Mr. Lang is making a very good point that it's a bullshit metric. And I, for one, am glad that it's finally getting a decent amount of press. And this wasn't the only article on this either. Um, I just felt this one was the most succinct and well-written of what I had read about it. Um, Thoughts, Tim? Agree? Disagree? Yes,
1: I agree. Agree and disagree? (laughs) (laughs) Point, counterpoint. Let's see here. I can do the important one or the fluff piece. What do you want? Do you want uh, Fantastic Four, all the movies are getting polled, from itunes and amazon before the new one comes out
0: i think i think that's um very telling as to how poor this movie is going to be
1: yeah yeah there you go and so i'm gonna just go go with the go with the real (laughs) real news one that actually kind of matters to a company or companies or actual people uh this is from variety.com not saying that The Fantastic Four stuff won't matter to other people, but, you know, if they make a bad movie, well, uh, they have it coming. From Variety.com, threat to movie financing model to be debated at Karlovy Vary. Apologies for mispronouncing that, but this is written by Will Tizard, or Tizard, or Tizard. And this is from Prague. Movie business professionals attending the Karlovy Vary Film Festival will debate... The European Parliament's proposals for a digital single market and the effect it will have on film distribution in Europe. At the July sixth session is being hosted by the European distributors network Europa Distribution. The subject has distributors and producers watching keenly since they argue the changes would disrupt the independent movie business's most reliable funding model, the system of selling film rights territory by territory to help finance production. The discussion will also look at the opportunities offered by online distribution. The session is part of Karlovy Vary's expanded and fortified industry events program which ranges from surveys of promising works in progress to powwows on assessing hollywood and a greater emphasis on international filmmaker training programs so yeah so this is pretty interesting because you know like the article said and i may or may not be involved with this stuff at sony maybe i don't know that's what home entertainment not only home entertainment but that's how movies are are distributed uh, theatrically as well you you go by territory by territory by territory where other people like say it in in europe or even in asia are saying that like well why don't you just have it all coming from the same place or why don't you have it all in one area so it might be easier to access you know to get across but if if that happens That means getting rid of a number of the territories, which could be a lot of people lose their jobs. So it's very interesting stuff here. And that's my news. That's my news.
0: Outstanding. All right. Well, while Tim celebrates his finishing of the news, I guess we will move on to the next segment. So here we go, folks. It's Thirty Square. This Weeks 3 Squared, uh, actors or actresses that you feel are trapped in a role. So no matter what other movies you ever see them in, and whatever roles they play, no matter how good of an actor or actress they are, you can't help but see them in one role. And mine, uh, I've got two actors and one actress, and uh, I guess, I mean, they're all from the 90s, but it's just kind of... Where my mind went, what can I say? Uh, first up for me is Quentin Tarantino and his role as Jimmy in 1994's Pulp Fiction. And I mean, come on. You know, the whole thing, the whole conversation with Jules, do you see the sign? Did you see the sign outside my house? I didn't see the sign. Uh, you know, did you see the sign? You know, that whole thing is just absolutely fantastic. The the stuff about the coffee, everything about the sheets, I mean, just, it is literally the opponent's role of Quentin Tarantino. And I cannot help, anytime I see him, no matter what, even when he was doing that Aussie thing in Django Unchained, cannot help but <laughs> look at him. And when he's on screen, I think of him in that thing as Jimmy. Um, it's a great role, wonderful scene. And it's, and the thing is, is, it's like it's only three minutes of the movie. So I, you would think that it wouldn't be so indelible. And yet, it kind of sets that continuing tone for that whole segment of the film. And I just love it. It was just fantastic. And no matter what I've ever seen him in after that, that's all I can, that's all I can see. Uh, next up, from... 1995's Desperado, Antonio Banderas as El Miriachi, and I don't know, um, he's, he's a decent actor, and he's done some really cool stuff since then, but I mean, I just look at that face, and all I can think is him running a spur over Selma Hayek's ass, that just, you know, I don't know what it is about that movie. I like it, I I enjoy everything that he really brought to that role, and I thought it was just an outstanding film, and I I just can't help but see him, and especially since, you know, uh, as he does, like, higher action films and everything like that, everything just always folds back into watching him, like, blow the shit out of the bar uh, in the movie, going into the church having to deal with the end of the film as well, it just completely embodies Antonio Banderas for me. So no matter what I see him in, I always think of him as El Miriachi. Finally for me, from 1999's Ed TV, we have Jenna Elfman. Now, yes, people always think of her as, um, she's best known from Dharma and Greg, but I never really watched Dharma and Greg when it was on. I caught it in syndication after the fact. So my first real experience with her was as Sherry in Ed TV. Now, this movie was definitely not Ron Howard's uh, best effort in terms of money making. But I certainly enjoy this movie. I own it on DVD. And whenever I'm you know, in a feel-good kind of mood... I pop in Ed TV, and I—I I mean, I just fell in love with Jenna Elfman in this movie, and she's just so cute. And I love the character that she played, and even with everything else that she's done since then. And I thoroughly enjoy Dharma and Greg. I just cannot help but think of her as Sherry, the UPS driver. Sometimes I even am reminded of her when I see a UPS truck. That's probably not healthy. But still, um, I, I just always think of her when I and think of her in that role. Whenever I think of Jenna Elfman, and whenever I see her in TV or film. So my three picks from 1994's Pulp Fiction: Quentin Tarantino as Jimmy. From 1995's Desperado: Antonio Banderas as the lead character El Miriachi. And finally, from 1999 TV, Jenna Elfman as Sherry. Take it away, Dim
1: really takes a great movie to produce that one character or even multiple characters that just really stick in your head. And it could be 20 years ago, 25 years ago, 50, 60 years ago, and you look at that actor, and or 50, 60 years later or whatever, and you look at that actor and you can only think of them as that one actor from that one movie that they did 50 movies before. So it takes a really good movie to do that and so it was kind of interesting I had a list of actors to choose from that for me to choose from and just going through them it's like god every single one of these movies are really really good are very entertaining I mean it's not just you know their performances are the best but there's a lot of bests in that movie but uh, with further ado my three I'm gonna go in order of Probably the most obvious to the least obvious. So I think my number one here will be the most obvious. Uh, or it could have even been, you can consider it as uh, as phoning in. Who knows? But it is Linda Hamilton as Sarah Connor in Terminator 2 Judgment Day from 1991. And yes, that is not including her in Terminator. Because Sarah Connor in Terminator 2 is drastically different from the Sarah Connor in the original Terminator. Because over the years. Sarah Connor has become more of a badass. She's more of a powerful woman. You know she is a fighter. She knows what to do. And when to do it. And how to do it. There's just something about that character. That always just kind of fascinated me. Even back whenever I watched it as a kid. Or first watched it as a kid. Because James Cameron casted linda hamilton because he knew she can pull off this type of character you know she was good looking yet she was commanding in the role and unfortunately linda hamilton kind of got typecast in the role because after t2 she never really went on to do any other good movies she did a lot of tv shows she did Seaquest, i think for a little while she did the beauty and the beast show i actually know she did that before terminator 2 but uh but she never really got proper footing after T2 which she probably deserved regardless she is still an iconic character as Sarah Connor so Linda Hamilton is my number 1 pick number 2 is a little out there but it's Michael Ironside as Richter in Total Recall from 1990 yes Richter was the bad guy and Michael Ironside has played in a has been in a slew of films in the 90s uh, a, a lot of films in the 90s. For example, he was lieutenant in Major Pain. Sea Quest 2032. He was the captain in the show. As well as another kind of memorable character of his. Not on par with Richter at all. But I guess he was one of my favorite characters in uh, in Starship Troopers. He was like the commander or captain or something like that. And he was just that, that badass. That war-hungry badass. But... That's Starship Troopers. Back to Total Recall. So Total Recall is a great sci-fi movie. Yeah, it probably didn't age too well, but it's still a really good sci-fi movie. And his bad guy character is one of the best... 90s bad guys late 80s early 90s bad guys you know there really wasn't much to him but he had a screen presence that just jived with the entire movie he brought another level of i don't know sensibility to the movie um if not that then he had some pretty good little quotes as well you know when he's yelling at his men he's got a hologram son of a bitch you remember that I'm, I'm, I'm motioning and speaking as if I'm trying to, I'm expecting like, hey yeah, 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 I remember that from the audience, listener, hopefully. I'm sure you've seen the movie, who knows. But yeah, no, he was just a great 90s bad guy. So Richter, played by Michael Ironside in Total Recall from 1990. And lastly, the Maltese Falcon. Yes, the Maltese Falcon. Peter Laurie's portrayal of joel cairo but peter laurie was in casablanca he was in the movie m from 1931 he was also in what matt remembers him by is arsenic and old lace by 1944 but it's all in the maltese falcon man it's just every time i look at his bug-eyed his bulging eyes his his receding hairline, his with you know exposing that big shiny forehead of his and that comb over, and hearing that Austrian-Hungary-Slovakian uh, accent whenever he speaks, it just I mean it just completely transforms me. Or in my mind, I, I I just vision him as Joel Cairo in the Maltese Falcon. Again, like all the other movies, it's itself a great movie. It's all of his dialogue between him and Humphrey Bogart, Sam Spade, that is just killer. Because Joel Cairo is a character who wants to be a badass, pretty much. You know, he wants to be the ultimate noir jewel thief. But when it comes down to it, he's not. He is kind, I mean, he's not a moron. It's just, nothing really ever goes his way. He keeps getting outsmarted. By Sam Spade. And it's just fun to watch. It's funny. And he just has a lot of character traits to him. Like you just really have never seen. In any other movie since then. You know he makes it his own. And I absolutely love it. And. There are just so many great quotes. And unfortunately I cannot. Do a. I was about to say a Joel Cairo. Impression but really it's just Peter Lorre's. Voice itself but it's. He, you know, he he just kind of kind of talks like the oh, that kind of sound. I'm making him sound like Dracula, but it's he doesn't talk like these, you know. It's, eh, eh, eh well, I'm not going to do it. But just check it out; it's great. He does a fine job. Peter Laurie is Joel Cairo. So my three are again Linda Hamilton as Sarah Connor and T two, Michael Ironside as Richter in. Total Recall. And finally, Peter Laurie as Joel Cairo in the Maltese Falcon.
0: Awesome.
1: All right. Well, next week we are going to be doing uh,
0: I'm the Only One Who Hated It. We haven't done one of those since January. So that's what we are doing for next week's bonus segment. And <clears throat> I guess that is going to bring us to The Movies <laughs> This week's films are Dope, Ted 2, and The Homesman. Uh, Where would you like to start, sir? How about The
1: Homesman?
0: All right, Homesman. Um, This is actually, believe it or not, a French period drama film, but it's set in the States. It's very English. It's just French financed. Um, And it is directed by Tommy Lee Jones, and uh, based on The Homesman, an, an novel, obviously, set in the Plains in the 1850s, and stars Tommy Lee Jones and Hilary Swank as a ragamuffin team who take three crazy immigrant women from the Nebraska Territory to Iowa. So, I guess uh, let's talk about this movie here. Um, this is definitely a very interesting film. And the subject matter that it covers is definitely something you have not seen in a Western pretty much ever. And this is a woman who... Hillary Swank plays a young lady by the name... Well, young figuratively in the Old West. She would be considered an old maid. She is an over-30 spinster from New York. She, however, is very smart in terms of being able to take care of herself, take care of her land and her animals and stuff, and actually has a pretty profitable farm or homestead in the Nebraska Territory. Um, But because of her savvy and because of her um, penchant for understanding how things work, she's looked upon as bossy and uh, she is also thought of as plain which is why she's kind of maintaining the spinster status. Um, Due to some circumstances that happen within the territory, she ends up taking three women who have basically lost their minds um, because of the hardships of prairie life in the 1800s and has decided to take these women back to Iowa where they can actually get some help, where there is still civilization, so to speak, and they can get whatever help they is available to them. And some of them, you know, it might mean just going back home to where they came from. Along the way, she meets a drifter, played by Tommy Lee Jones. And because of his predicament, when, she's found, when she finds him, he agrees to help her out. Pretty much doesn't have a choice. And from there, the movie kind of carries on. Now, this film is, as all good Westerns are, has wonderful cinematography and definitely goes out of its way to goes out of its way to tell a very unique story in a very meaningful way but the problem is is that in its effort to be faithful to the source material and more or less historically accurate in terms of the vernacular the writing just comes off, despite good performances, the writing just kind of comes off as stilted and wooden. It also comes off as somewhat hokey. And the thing is, is that even the westerns of the 50s and 60s had better dialogue overall than this film does. Um, but, despite the twists and turns, and it does take some very interesting twist and turns, I find that it just, it it kind of loses itself because of that hole in the writing, and it makes it difficult to really appreciate the characters for how good they actually are. So, in the long run, this is a really good movie, and I did like it uh, quite a bit. I bring it in at four stars, but it does suffer from some writing And a little bit of a slow start. So, there you go. Four stars. What do you got there, Tim?
1: Yeah, I pretty much agree with you all around the table. I honestly have really nothing to add to it. Other than I thought the performances were really good. My really only complaint is that I thought they tried too hard to create characters. I don't know. Does that make sense at all? Like, they were trying really hard to make characters when they really didn't have to. Well, yeah, and something, I guess, I
0: like what we had talked about before in the show prep and everything, like um, when you're dealing with mental illness, you know, you have to be really careful, um, not because uh, to handle it improperly, but it might, it just simply doesn't come across very well on the screen, and like the quick cuts to where they would hit these crazy women's lives at different parts of the film, yeah, I mean, I, it, it's... I think it was going to, like what you were saying, trying really hard to go into creating these characters, but lacking in the execution thereof.
1: Right, exactly. And I give this one 3.75 out of 5. And the reason why I didn't give it the 4, because I did thoroughly enjoy it. I thought it was a beautiful movie. I like the story, and it was cool seeing all these really neat actors kind of pop up in the movie. And there were some really cool little set pieces and story elements to it. But there's one of the twists involving uh, Hillary Swank that happens in the movie, which didn't, I, I, don't, I don't know, it, it felt a little bit like a cop-out, than something that should have happened. I, I don't know, Matt, what did you think about that? I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but... I would say that I think that based on her
0: experiences thus far, and looking at what drove the women... She was ferrying to their current states makes what happened plausible.
1: Okay. 3.75 still. (laughs) (laughs) But still, I mean, I think it's a really good movie. And it very well could be one of those where you watch it once and you don't think too much about it. But if you watch it again, you know, you might enjoy it a little bit more. So, I mean, it very well could be a better movie than what I'm rating it. But 3.75 out of five for right now. Very good. All right, and where do you want to go from here, sir? Uh, How about your favorite movie of the week, Ted 2? (laughs) Yeah. All right, so it's
0: an American comedy film, sequel to Ted. It's uh, directed by Seth MacFarlane. And basically, this film is now trying to make Ted into a real person because he has feelings and shit. And yet, it's also trying to retain the spirit of the first film. So, I can truly appreciate that they were legitimately trying to grow these characters. To actually make... uh, To actually try and take their story somewhere else. Instead of just simply rehashing the same subject matter from the previous film. The problem is, is that there's just simply nothing to do but rehash the material from the previous film. You you just can't this this particular kind of thing, you simply can't have your cake and eat it too. You either have to keep it just like you did the first time or you don't do it. You can't sit, sit there and half-ass character growth and trying to do new things, especially when the entire film everything that depended on um John's uh, growth from the first film is completely undone at the beginning of the second film. So, I, I I appreciate what they tried to do. They showed virtually all the funny parts in the trailer. I still had a couple of mediocre laughs. But it's just not good, guys. I'm sorry. I, I don't hate it. There are definitely people who are going to like it. I would definitely, if you are of um, the herbal culture hit it hard, and then go see this film. Two stars from me, though. Just two. I didn't like it, guys. I'm sorry.
1: Well, you see, the problem with with smoking a lot of pot before seeing this movie is that you might actually fall asleep (laughs) maybe 20 minutes into it because the movie isn't very funny. I mean, it's really not funny at all. But with saying that, the movie had an, had an intriguing flow to it because it kind of played out more like a Saturday afternoon matinee show or whatever that you'd find on TNT back in 95 or something. You know, just one of those things that you have on and you might sit down and be like, oh, hey, yeah, this is entertaining. Oh, well, I got to go cook dinner. You know, I'll just have it on and uh, have it playing while I'm cooking dinner. Don't have to pay attention to that. But that's not a good thing. It's not very good, and, like what Matt said, that they rehash a lot of the stuff from the first film, a lot of the the type of jokes, especially, and a lot of people keep saying that, oh, the opening of the movie, they have a big dance number at the opening, and was it all that great? Not really, I just think people are just very caught up in the idea of that it's like a big Busby Berkeley dance number on a cake, and it doesn't you know all that stuff it really wasn't all that great because it really wasn't all that original. In fact, a lot of Seth MacFarlane's stuff really isn't original. He rips off a joke from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Matt, did you catch that when when he's driving the car and they're playing that song and he's dancing and the car lands in the barn or whatever? Well, yeah, I mean, you know that he's referencing Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, but I can't tell if he was outright referencing that or if he was kind of also stealing it because his jokes lingers on in fact everything about this movie lingers on the movie didn't have to be an hour and 55 minutes long or an hour and 15 minutes long the movie very well could have been 85 minutes long and it would have been significantly better and what i mean by the everything lingers on is that you have a joke plays out a joke happens for way too long, a piece of the story happens way too long, like the like the trial and court stuff it, it was interesting, but it wasn't funny. you know it it didn't add anything to the movie now, if this was a comedy, it has to be funny, and yes, like Matt, I did laugh a couple times, but again, it was too far in between or whatever, and again, mainly they just rehash everything from the first so. I give this one two out of five as well.
0: Cool beans. Um, alright, so then that leaves us with dope. Uh 2015 uh, comedy drama film. This is directed by Rick You, Fami you, I don't even know how to say that. Femuywa? Yeah, we'll just go with that. Rick Famoywa. Um And let's see here, stars um, mostly relative newcomers, Shamik Moore, Tony Ravioli, Kiersey Clemens, Kimberly Elise, uh, Chanel Iman, Tyga, Blake Anderson, Zoe Kravitz, and ASAP Rocky. Um, All right, and this is basically covering the exploits of Malcolm and his friends Jib and Diggy as they... uh, As he tries to get into Harvard and also navigates the pitfalls of high school and love and gangs and drugs, all in the period of just a few days, it seems like. Um, This is one of those films, this is definitely a very... Um, smart film overall. The writing is definitely very, very clever and I liked um, all of the performances. I thought were very believable overall. The only thing that I really didn't like is that it where this film really tends to um, shine is in the interplay between all of the characters especially as the plot tends to move itself forward. But where it starts faltering is when it tries to make it tries to make the whole more than the sum of its parts and this film did not need to do that especially as it comes into the um, final act and starts to close down and you get to your denouement at the end of the film I felt um, I, I I apologize for stealing from Tim a little bit here. I felt it was a little too preachy, and I just thought that it could have... I thought that it could have come to basically the same resolution, but through a much more natural means. I felt that it was very artificial in that regard. So, good film, but the ending and the preachiness by the end really hurt it. So what could have been I think a well over 4-star movie ends up coming in at 3.75. I would still recommend checking it out though. Good flick. Bring us home there, Tim.
1: Okay, I was really looking forward to seeing this movie, so I really didn't do any I didn't I didn't watch any trailers for it. Or I mean, I've seen trailers for it, but I didn't go back and watch any of the, you know, scenes that were released or clips or really didn't do any reading up on it because so I really wanted to enjoy the movie without having preconceived thoughts or anything about it. and so I went in and the movie started, and I thought it was interesting and I you know I really didn't know what direction the film would take until about the fifteen or twenty minute mark. When the film kind of kicks off, and then I realized, oh wow, I mean, at the beginning of the movie, the movie was smart and entertaining, but the movie really grabs a hold hold of you and pulls you in, in a way, and it's not like Pulp Fiction whatsoever, but it's kind of like you watch Pulp Fiction for the very first time, especially in the 90s, and you really don't know what's happening, and then the movie just kind of takes off and grabs you, and you're just sucked into this world. Well, this is kind of the feeling that I had with this film. You know, once it started getting into the whole drug thing, you know, it was just very interesting. And I think what made it interesting wasn't because of the story of them getting mixed up with drugs. It was because of the point of view that the movie took, which was from the black stereotype. And what I liked about it was that it wasn't like, dear white people where it was doing like the white on black stereotypes or the black on white stereotypes but it ver- it focused heavily on the black on black stereotypes for example the very thug like black students picking on uh, the black students that were dressed up in 90s hip hop clothes the main character he has a fresh prince cut haircut and they you know they all wear baggy clothes you know just stuff that doesn't fit in 2015 You know, they listen to old hip-hop because they believe, well, the 90s, you know, that's when the best hip-hop was made. It was fun seeing it from that point of view. But as the movie goes on, the issue of stereotypes of these high school black kids that, you know, are into 90s hip-hop, their, you know, favorite TV show is Game of Thrones, you know, but they get picked on for being nerdy or being, like, white kids, They go from that to being more of a, taking more of a racial, all-around racial standpoint, which is totally fine, but it kind of takes away from the rest of the movie that wasn't really like that. It derails the movie a little bit. All that stuff wasn't really in the meat of the film. You have this movie that was fun, energetic, it had a great ensemble cast, it was a real crowd pleaser, it was great, until the film's agenda came into the forefront at the very end of the movie. And literally, it was, it's like the last maybe 10 minutes of the movie where the character addresses the theater and talks about race. You, sometimes you just want a movie. I mean, you want a movie that you can think about. And to me, more of the most powerful movies, or the most powerful movies, are those, don't, that are, are those movies that don't outright tell you what to think Or how to feel. But they're more subtle with their agenda. So I give this one 3.75 out of 5 as well. Very good. Uh, Let's see here.
0: Next week we've got Terminator Genesis, Hector in the Search for Happiness, and Rosewater. The latter two are going to be found on Netflix. So, yay! And I believe That will bring us To the spiel Does it not sir?
1: Spiel
0: on Alright well the music You've been listening to As always has been brought To us by our music partners Cries of Solus You can check them out At ReverbNation.com And Facebook.com Both Slash Cries of Solace. As for us We are still of course The SLS Cast And you can find us At SLSCast.com You can send us an email To the show At SLSCast.com You can follow us On Twitter At The SLS Cast You can follow me this is Matt on Twitter at You can of course climb aboard the information superhighway And track down Tim on Twitter if that is your heart's desire And don't forget you can always subscribe to us on iTunes And or favorite us on Stitcher Radio So until next week, this is Matt saying that thanks to Tommy Lee Jones I get to say this I know a lot of cowboys and I've done a little work on ranches with cattle And those people become your friends and keep their word
1: And take care of cinephiles and... We'll get that off. God damn it, I am sucking balls tonight. That's a good way to end the show. Talk to you guys next week.